Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we come back from our holiday hiatus uh, to give you the latest uh, breaking news in uh, Major League Baseball, we'll break one of the uh, latest stories from today and how that will finally give us a schedule and perhaps a now more regular offseason as we get only six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, It's uh, not that far from spring. Uh, And that's always my middle marker of winter. I look when pitchers and catchers report in the Midwest, then I know we're halfway through winter uh, and spring is around the corner. Or at least I convinced myself of that. How did that work out last year? How did that work out for you last year? Yeah, about that. (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, that's where my brain goes. Uh, As always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leap happy. Uh, There have been rumors of an additional uh, opportunity to uh, snag some off-season popcorn. Uh, Can you verify any of those rumors for us? I suppose we could probably do a day. It was a great day in the state of Wisconsin today, so Packers got the bye. So uh, football days, perhaps. Football games of choice, so we might have a day for, especially for some playoff games here. I was going to say, at the very least, uh, maybe a Super Bowl special. That's uh, certainly I, been in the yeah. works. We're we're talking about that. I don't know if we'll do it for the playoff for all of the Packers playoff games, but it, at least the week before the Super Bowl, there's certainly a good chance of this happening. So we'll keep you posted on mm-hmm. that as well as the latest happenings in the, in the popcorn world in uh, right. this part of Western Wisconsin. Uh, before we get into uh, baseball, uh, both of us here are big football fans as well. It's the last game of the regular season, last game for Dolphins fans as well. Uh, I digress, but uh, uh, this is also getting ready for Black Monday uh, <laughs> as far as the uh, for the teams that didn't make it, for the teams that had... Uh, the wait till next year approach, but unfortunately, you won't be there to see that next year. Uh, it's always the the coaching carousel uh, kicks into high gear, and there's already been some that have come out tonight. The ones that we knew about, Adam Gase has been uh, uh, relieved about, of those duties. Knew about that one for a while, right? I mean, offic- yeah. unofficially, maybe we've always known that should have happened. Even with getting the, if he would have gotten the number one overall pick, I don't think he would have been there to pick it. But after blundering that one, uh, when you lose out on Trevor Lawrence and do the classic and Jets stumbling, bumbling, fumbling fashion, uh, that's going to get you uh, out of there as well. Uh, But we have, what, at least six openings uh, that are going on here. We have the Houston Texans. We have the Jets. Uh, Chargers. Chargers. uh, The Falcons. The Lions. We don't know. There's some that you're still up in the air. We know the Jaguars, right? The Jaguars. Then you got the Bears, right? They're actually in the playoffs, but I don't think I know a lot of Bears fans in Wisconsin, and they're not very pleased with Matt Nagy. The Eagles, right? Doug Peterson won them a Super Bowl, and who knows what's going on up there. So there's still a few more that could be uh, as we see how how things go. Uh, It was reported on ESPN today that uh, fractured relationship uh, rumors between uh, Peterson and Wentz. Uh, so there's going to be a, a quarterback carousel going on this offseason, too. Carson Wentz is – I would be shocked if Carson Wentz isn't traded this offseason. My guess, go back to see Frank Reich, right? Get traded the Colts. Philip Livers has said he's retiring. Yeah. That, that one makes a lot of sense to me. Go back and play for the Colts. See if you can re-get back some of that value from Carson Wentz. He was not that far removed from being 
the Bought up very highly, right? Yeah. And then you have, uh, I just see Matt Stafford uh, and uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, I see Ooh. I see a partnership there uh, a brewing. Uh, and uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, That'd be great. I, I think that well, would be an amazing fit for Matt Stafford to get out of Detroit. Detroit has had a lot of blunders. Uh, this is a team that fired Jim Caldwell after three winning seasons in four years to get Matt Patricia. Yeah. Like, really? I don't. I never understood that. So well, I'd they might as well to get help. Out of there. Uh, they might as well help. They try to get help from the Patriots. They might as well help the Patriots That's at right. this point. So That's it didn't right. work one way. Although Matt Ryan, uh, intelligent quarterback, uh, Atlanta is. Looking like they could do some rebuild, but there's salary cap ramifications that almost make it uh, impossible to do. But that's another one where, again, who does Bill Belichick like? He likes his intelligent quarterbacks. I think we'll get we'll do our offseason two draft podcasts. I think the Falcons are going to draft a quarterback. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. They need to think about the future, kind of like a la the Green Bay Packers. You're looking at uh, a team that can... Uh, uh, move up in the draft to get one of the, the top three quarterbacks. Again, we'll highlight that when we get more into a draft season. Uh, but uh, who's your uh, – the latest rumors right now, what is Urban Meyer uh, potentially coming to the NFL, to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, is this where there's smoke, there's fire, or what do you see in here? I, it's, it's certainly possible. He gets the first pick in the draft, which everybody's thought for the last three years is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And it will be Trevor Lawrence I, for – I can't believe, yes, he had a terrible game the other night. Ohio State, Justin Fields looked amazing. You don't take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, in a million years. Uh, so I, there's a chance. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any stretch of imagination. It's been, what, four years he's been out from college at this point? It's been a while. Uh, so you, he's going to need some guarantees before he takes over that Jaguars job. In that section of the country, he is a very uh, well-liked person, uh, and Jacksonville tends to make those types of moves, so that would not be surprising. If he's going to come to the NFL, I think this is uh, the moment, uh, because, again, if you're getting lured in, you're getting lured in with uh, uh, executive decision-making power, so you don't have to worry about any ineptitude in the front office. You're making the front office as well as the team. Uh, you have the first overall pick. You have your franchise quarterback that you're wanting to grab with that. You have the biggest war chest past Miami uh, to uh, remake in the, the draft here with sh- what should be more extensive uh, college player knowledge to assist you with that process. We talked off air that that did even help Nick Saban with, uh, when he was coaching the, the Dolphins initially was uh, some of those draft picks that assisted with a solid base. Uh, and you have uh, some of the most cap space in the – and the league, so you can remake that team very quickly if you make smart decisions. So that's the interesting one. The one that I'm curious for is who ends up uh, with the Chargers. Uh, again, you have your again franchise quarterback, you have your running back, you have your receiver, you have the all the talent that you're looking for there. Uh, so do, does this attract a uh, a coach that is more offensive minded to uh, to lure in with that, or do you find someone with more of a defensive mindset to fix uh, the leaky holes that are going on there? I I still think that's the one. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. The Chiefs obviously have put together a Super Bowl winning offense last year. They sat all their guys today and lost to the Chargers, but they have an incredible offense again this year. And you said he's already got his franchise quarterback. I've seen Justin Herbert make throws that I didn't think he could make coming out of Oregon. He's looked incredible. They've had just a few close losses. I think that's the one if you're Eric Bieniemy, you want to say, 
here's where I'm going to plant my flag and see if Justin Herbert can get me to the promised land and carry it to me to the next job. Chances are they go with more of the the offensive-minded or the, the sexy coach pick. Uh, the one that I was talking about uh, off-air was uh, I think this is, would be a great fit for Marvin Lewis. Uh, just because he comes in with a defensive mindset, he's going to come in with a, a coaching staff that is going to be sound, discipline. Uh, again, if you want to know how good of a coach Marvin Lewis was, just look at the the Bengals when he was with them, and look at the Bengals afterwards. The only one that's been able to make Cincinnati look even any sort of semblance of competent was with Marvin Lewis. Uh, I think he fits what they need, and also he, he's never had a franchise quarterback that he can truly uh, build with. I'd be curious to see that match. I don't see it happening, but I think that'd be a great fit. But there's your five minutes of uh, NFL rantings as we finish up the regular season and get ready for the postseason there for all you football fans. But now the reason why you're here as we go to the uh, Major League Baseball, let's start with the news and notes. Let's kick it off with uh, some of the things that we missed with being off for a week with the holidays. Uh, we can get caught up on the, the latest happenings. Let's start with some retirements. The first one we heard about, we, talk, we talked about Howie Kendrick on the show a few times. We both think he's a very good player, and I guess somewhat surprisingly, he was 37, but still somewhat surprisingly because I think we both thought he had some left in him. Retired from baseball. Um, he'd previously sort of talked about it. He ends his career with a very solid 294 career average, 127 home runs, 126 steals. He had that all-star appearance back with the Angels. And then I think the thing that I'll never forget is that Game 7 home run for the Nationals yeah. two years ago where he hit the foul pole, brought home the MVP award that postseason. So very, very fine career. He had a second half to him that I'm not sure if anyone thought. He started to fizzle out a little bit. Like, were you still a, you know, maybe a regular on, on a on a non-contending team? Uh, but then he found a, a second wind uh, and had a nice second half of the, of the year again. Playing-wise or playing ability, I think he still could have gone at least one more year if he wanted to, but he was content with his uh, career and ready to move on to other things. Uh, so we wish him best of luck in his uh, future endeavors. It's a career you cheered for, right? Because I saw this one online. He was actually tried out for like a dozen junior colleges before he ever found a job, got cut a couple times, walked on at St. John's Community College, got drafted in the 10th round, and then worked his way up. Like I said, MVP award in the NLCS. Hey, a guy you wanted to do great and – Move on. Have a great rest of your life, Howie Kendrick. And then the other retirement we heard today, you told me before we started the show, I did not see this one, was Phil Hughes, pitcher. Yeah, he has uh, called it uh, a career. Uh, was able to uh, hang around uh, in the twilight of his uh, career here. Uh, but uh, he had that, that was due. His big career, right, he was considered one of the top prospects back in the Yankees days a long yeah, time ago. He had farm that, system. was it like 18 or 19 win season, I think, when he was like 23 or 4, and everybody thought this was greatness. And it's kind of a, a solid career. I would never say anything spectacular. He moved on to the Twins for the last few years of his career, but good career again there. Phil Hughes, congratulations. Enjoy retirement. It is an accomplishment no matter what. I, I know that uh, reporters and stuff like that try to debate things more, but the, the odds of making it to the majors uh, just to do that uh, and then actually have a career where you uh, start not uh, a season or two, but when you can make a 10-year career out of it, that doesn't happen often. Uh, so congrats to uh, uh, to Phil Hughes and, uh, and whatever the next chapter of his life is. He's very active on Twitter. Not Trevor Bauer <laughs> levels, but he is very active very on Twitter true. also. Oh, let's do our one injury of the week. 
Uh, down in winter ball, so I believe it was in the Dominican Republic. Yes, it was in the Dominican Republic. Gregory Polanco, the outfielder for another team that we're going to talk about in a little bit here, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not a positive this week. Gregory Polanco gets hit in the wrist, broken in wrist. He's out four to six weeks. Uh, so that should, you know, back in time for spring training. We we're just talking about that. He should be back in time for spring training. And due to some of the moves they've made, he is likely their one of their best two players. You can make the case for Key Brian Hayes, I suppose, already at this point in his career. But he batted just 153 last year. It was a weird year, right? It's a weird year. He's had some good years already for the Pirates. You hope that this fracture, wrist fractures are tough because obviously the wrist is something where you generate a lot of the speed with the bat, right? You need that bat speed to uh, handle solid pitching. And if that if that wrist isn't right, your batting average won't be right for the, the whole year, too. So that is a, a very challenging injury with not a lot of time to uh, repair and, and get back ready. Let's do the one front office move of the week. Uh, Dave Dombrowski got hired to be the president of operations for the Phillies. A few weeks ago, we talked about that hiring here. So they needed a general manager. And they went to an old outfielder, Sam Fold, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays, is where I remember him playing. And Super Sam. Super Sam, there you go. Formerly of the Rays, hired to be the GM. As far as I know, it has no front office experience that I could find. So that's an interesting move. I, if, if I'm not mistaken, he was more of a special advisor to a GM, I think under Andrew Friedman of the Dodgers. I thought he had a little bit of experience, like learning probably the ropes, mm-hmm. but no no other actual major. This is his first uh, first full front office uh, uh, move, gets a, a big gig, uh, well thought of in Major League Baseball circles, uh, analytical mind, uh, definitely a part of the, uh, the analytics movement and, and looking at that. That's what's kind of interesting about the Philly move here. Dave Dombrowski is a a more of a baseball lifer, classic GM, old school GM, now with new wave uh, uh, guy and Sam Fold. So this is a blending of old and new, uh, though we're seeing that's where big markets are it trending. Uh, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, that's with uh, Heim Bloom, formerly of the Rays. Uh, you have Dodgers, Andrew yeah. Andrew Friedman there, so the blend of old and new of spending, but also taking care of things and being more uh, efficient, I suppose, and trying to track it and build a farm system. Uh, we're seeing more of that happening as the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, infection uh, continues to uh, permeate through uh, baseball. And as uh, I got into a Twitter beef uh, earlier this uh, week uh, for uh, all the articles of reporters saying that the Rays are ruining baseball, and I have a, a different opinion and different take on that one. But uh, you're gonna wait on that one. I'll wait on that. Okay, one I, was, I was wondering. I, it was coming. I knew it was coming. I was just wondering when that was gonna come up. So. Uh, Sam Fold, he's already made a move. We're going to talk about that in a little bit with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think it'll be a good hire. We'll see. Uh, Like I said, very unproven, but like you said, very well thought of throughout baseball. So I think he's going to do a good job there. Dave Dombrowski's first move uh, in getting his front office in order again is is he is the executive of uh, the EVP, the executive vice president of baseball operations. So he's controlling things from the top, and I'm sure he's the deal closer when they want to make a free agent move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as trades and uh, building up a farm system that sorely needs it uh, and doing some of these other things, Sam Fold is now the, the GM running the day-to-day operations. Let's talk about the last one of these we have to talk about in 2020. Yet another Hall of Famer before the year ended, unfortunately passed away on us. Phil Necro uh, died at the age of 81. He had won 318 games in 24 seasons. Obviously famous for the knuckleball. Anything you talk about Phil Necro, it's all about the knuckleball. 
Uh, we're in Milwaukee. We live in Wisconsin, so famously with the Brewers for a while, or actually I guess it would have been the Braves before he goes to Atlanta. Uh, I picked this one up offline. I got this one. So career stretch across 24 seasons, retired at the age of 48. 48. Only Cy Young, Walter Johnson, and Pud Galvin through more innings than his 5,404 and a third innings as he used his knuckleball for the most in like modern baseball history, right? Cy Young, I don't know who Pud Galvin is, and Walter Johnson are very, very long time ago. Necro had 19 seasons of over 200 innings pitched, four over 300, and he he amassed that while pitching only 140 innings before his age 28. So we're talking That's a guy crazy. who started figured out the knuckleball a little later, right? Does anybody ever figure out the knuckleball? It's a crazy pitch. You watch some of the videos online. There's literally pitches where it looks like he's throwing it 45 up there, and they're just whiffing like mad. But figured it out later in life and pitched to 314 wins. I got to figure that out. Hold on. 318 wins in 24 seasons. Incredible. For a, you know, we talk about second half of career just for hitting with Howie Kendrick, but you're a full second half career becoming a pitcher uh, at age uh, 28 with that, discovering the knuckleball. I, I grew up watching Tim Wakefield with the Boston Red Sox and just how he weaved it through, and that was a Cy Young level guy when he had it fully on, and he made it to his mid-40s. Uh, when, you can, when you can really establish that knuckleball, you have a whole uh, added lifespan as a pitcher uh, in Major League Baseball, but it's just so hard to do uh, that you just don't see it often anymore, and that guy was one of the more legendary uh, ones with it. Awesome uh, career and uh, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, Phil Necro. Rest in peace. Uh, I think we're ready to move on to some of the acquisitions here. So we have them um, chunked a little differently this week. Obviously, we took a week off, so there's been a few more acquisitions than usual. Uh, first, we're going to start with just bullpen and pitcher guys. And I've let it be known my dislike for bullpen signings before, but I have to say these are all relatively affordable. So I'm on board with most of these. So let's start with John Brebbia. John Brebbia signs with the Giants. One year, 800000 so basically base minimum. I think this one's sneaky good. Now, he missed all of last season with Tommy John, but the three years before that, two mid-twos to low-threes ERA with St. Louis. Good reclamation-type project pickup for the Giants. And those are the type of moves that we've seen happen already and the ones that you're going to be looking for. The, the buy low, uh, you're not having a big uh, base salary so those moves are going to be happening here and not being frozen out by uh, uh, by still waiting for, for COVID things and see how next year is going to look. That type of stuff is going to happen. And, yeah, you have a guy who has uh, past performance. You're now trying to just get him fully healthy from Tommy John and seeing if he can uh, bring that performance back. The Dodgers, we've talked about the Dodgers' bullpen on this podcast plenty of times. They made another move to their bullpen. They'd already acquired Corey Knable. I think we both think there's a chance they were going to get someone more of a larger name, but they signed Tommy Canely this week to a, or actually I guess it was last week, to a two-year deal worth four and three-quarters million dollars. Now, he just had Tommy John surgery in August, so you're much more likely to see an impact out of him in 2022 than 2021, given the amount of time it takes uh, to re- recover from that elbow procedure. But the last time we saw Tommy Canley with the Yankees, 61 innings, 367 ERA. Lively fastball. Huge fastball, right? It used to be a on and off the closer for the White Sox and was part of that great Yankees bullpen of the last few years. So is that probably not going to make much of an impact for the Dodgers this year, but I think that's another good signing. Uh, Matt Andrees to the Red Sox, one-year deal with an option for 2022. He had been with the Angels last season where he pitched to a 4-5 ERA. The Red Sox... Uh, Need bullpen help. They need a lot of pitching help and bullpen help. And Matt Andrees is a good signing too. 
just a, a solid pitcher again, average, slightly under average, right about that point. Uh, uh, but he'll uh, with a good offense, he'll give you innings, uh, and it can be he's used to bullpen role, he's used to starting role, so you can uh, uh, plug him in uh, wherever works best on your team. This is probably my favorite of the signings this week, and that's the Twins signing Hansel Robles to a one-year, two million dollar deal. I believe that is. Let me check quick here. That is a one-year deal worth. Two million, and he could get up to five hundred thousand more in incentives. So Robles was extremely good with the Angels in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, and then last year. Now it's an extremely. Like, we're talking mid two ERAs in those years, mind you. Now last year, extremely weird year, right? Who knows what happens there? But he has a ten ERA in twenty innings. So key I, there is twenty innings, right? Uh, uh, I'm surprised that the Angels didn't try to bring him back, even with making upgrades. Uh, He's expected to, to uh, upgrade from his 2020 performance as well. So uh, for a team that needed bullpen help, I, I'm surprised that they let him go. Uh, and a, a smart team like the Minnesota Twins uh, picking him up and uh, buying the upside. This is probably my second favorite deal here is the next one. The Marlins have signed the lefty Ross Detweiler to a one-year deal. He pitched for the White Sox last year to a 320 ERA out of the pen. And the year before that, the longer season, he had he was in higher ERA, almost six, but 69 innings again. So it's a good reclamation project. I think that they finally moved him to the pen a few years ago, and it seemed to work better for him. And I think that's a – anytime you can be a left-hander, right, you're going to have a long career. And, again, a better ballpark, a better league for uh, getting a chance to try that, uh, try that out. Uh, and the Marlins were very good last year at picking their veterans – for a solid one-year deals, and so that one makes a lot of sense. This one might not be a bullpen arm. This one very well could be a starting arm. This one is John Heyman talked about Jose Arena signing a deal with the Tigers, one year, three hundred or three point two five million, can get a little bit more with incentives. He got he did not get offered a contract, so he was non-tendered by the Marlins about a month ago. It was disappointing years. He had a couple of disappointing years in a row after having some very nice years to start his career. He had a couple of years with 380 ERA, 390 ERA, won 14 games in 2017. And then last year, the last full season we saw him, so 2019, he only pitched 84 innings with a 5 ERA. And last year, 23 innings with a 5 ERA. And the FIP backed every bit of that up. Mid six is FIP. So once again, taking a chance here. The Tigers don't have a whole lot to compete for this year. You take a chance on an arm if it works. Maybe you flip them in the mid day, mid year, and if not, it was worth a chance. Uh, and you also have a chance at, at that price point. You can decide is his future in the in the rotation, or if he moves to the bullpen, scraps maybe one or two pitches that aren't that effective. Can he focus more on his strengths and in shorter uh, span, shorter duration? Uh, could he be more effective? So there's uh, you have every opportunity to try to shake and uh, shake and see what it comes loose. Now we get to the more of the bigger news. So uh, bullpen arms are fun to talk about, but now we're getting to some of the big news here. Well, I already mentioned the non-Pirates positive was Gregory Polanco, and then we have another non-Pirates positive here as they decided to trade Josh Bell, which is fine. I, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have kept Josh Bell around, but we've known that it's a possibility since last summer when we talked about trade possibilities. They decided to move him to the Washington Nationals. Who, who desperately need offense. Desperately and, and needed offense. any position you can find. And yet again, the... Pittsburgh Pirates found a way to not get a whole lot in return. So the Pittsburgh Pirates return is Eddie Yeen and Will Crow. So these are a little lower guys. I do know a little bit about Will Crow. Will Crow got up last season at the very end of the year. He is more of a back end option. 
uh, kind of gets by with good control and sort of throws it up there. He's going to be a back end of the rotation type of arm. Eddie Yeen is a mid-rotation type of upside guy from what everything I read about him. Uh, struggles to throw, threw, walked a lot of guys last time we saw him, and you're probably talking two, three years down the road if it's lucky. Uh, that's not a whole lot of return for a player of Josh Bell's caliber. One thing I heard, again, Josh Bell's value was at an all-time low. And so, again, this isn't the time that you sell. This is the time that you bring him back and let the – let him try to reestablish value, and then you move him at the trading deadline would be the better way to do that if you're trying to extract value. Uh, what do you have to lose with the, the Pittsburgh Pirates? You bring that back and hope for something better because the return isn't going to get you all that much. Uh, one uh, GM that was asked by a reporter, and this was shared on, on Twitter, was uh, uh, saying that oh, they traded Josh Bell. Do they have to include any salary with him? Uh, so they didn't, but that that was the level of value that you would have to pay some of each some of his contract to pay him. And it's not a big contract, anyways. But he was at a all time low value. Uh, Washington is going to get. Uh, I love the move yeah, for Washington again. It makes makes a lot of sense. It's a it's a great move for a, uh, to get a secondary offensive piece. Again, he's a platoon player, uh, but he can crush right handed pitching. So the stronger side of the platoon when everything is right. I'm not going to look at 2020 numbers with anything more than a grain of salt. Uh, here's the guy I think that can still come back and do that. Again, I think we'll be looking back on this in a year as a, a savvy move by the Washington Nationals. I think Josh Bell is somewhere between 2019. He was incredible, right? 37 home runs, 116 RBIs, hit 280 or I hit 277. And then last year was pretty rough, 226. I think it's somewhere in between. You go back at 2017 with the Pirates, he had 25 home runs, 90 RBIs, he had 255. If he does that with the Nationals, that's all they can ask for. That's protection for Juan Soto. Maybe they have to start pitching to Juan Soto more. It's Trey Turner. It, it's a better move to me than if they had traded the one that we talked about, Chris Bryant for Carter Keboom. I think this is head and shoulders above that move that, that would have possibly happened. Absolutely. Now let's get to your let's get to the Padres because here's the talk of the week. Well, they, they owned the trade deadline. They pretty much said, give us all of your players. Uh, and uh, they added just about everybody's players and uh, the the crazy moves that A.J. Preller made. Uh, and he knew that his uh, his work wasn't done, uh, especially with the, the devastating injury to Mike Clevenger uh, and not going to have him for the 2021 season. He was meant to be their, their big uh, rotation acquisition, but he's not going to be there, so they knew they needed to beef up if they wanted to actually truly challenge the uh, the Dodgers. And so they make two big moves for starting pitchers. Uh, one is a former Cy Young winner. Uh, the other is the Cy Young runner-up from the 2020 season. Uh, and which one should we tackle first? Well, Blake Snell happened first, right? So the I don't remember the date on it. I believe it was like December 27th, maybe, so 26, something like that. It was right after Christmas. They traded, the San Diego Padres traded for Blake Snell, who you said a few weeks ago on this podcast, Blake Snell to the Padres, and I said I thought it was more likely to be Trevor Bauer, and you were prophetic on that one because I got that wrong. And in return, the San Diego Padres sent back a return of Luis Patino, Francisco Mejia, Cole Wilcox, and Blake Hunt. So let's start with just the Padres. Well, I'll first start with this. What am I doing right now, Corey? He's patting himself on the back, and he deserves T- that. Time one. for a little humble him. brag. Uh, at he this can give point, that one. I completely called he this did. one, uh, and uh, I even call at least part of the the package. Patino was someone that we we mentioned with it. I wasn't sure which starting pro- uh, pitcher prospect that they were going to part with. 
Uh, but I did know that uh, uh, Mejia was going to be a uh, change of scenery uh, with uh, a trade that was going to be taking place. And the Rays, at the time that the offseason started, they had no catcher on their 40-man roster. <laughs> so we knew there was going to be some moves that were going to be taking place. That one makes a lot of sense. So let's start with the Rays, actually. Let's start with the Rays, because the Padres we're going to come back to in a little bit here. So Patino, starter, reliever, opener, you're the Rays guy here. What do you think? They're going to use him in the rotation, but the question is, how do they go about it? He's only 21 years old. He's the a top 20 uh, prospect in all of baseball, so he was the centerpiece in this deal. Uh, fastball that can hit 97, 98 comfortably. Uh, big he slider. has the big slider. What people have actually been com- who pe- uh, people have been comparing him to is someone who's already on the Rays staff, and that's Tyler Glass now uh, for the fastball slider uh, mix uh, that they see a lot of uh, similarities. Uh, not in terms of body physique, but in terms of stuff. No, not uh, that tall. Right? Uh, so uh, that one, how they use him, it, uh, the Rays uh, pitching staff is going to be very interesting this year and uh, how they try to uh, piece this together. Uh, but the other pieces, Mejia is going to get a chance. Uh, the best place for him to land as far as opportunity. Uh, there will be a chance for, for to, get, to get consistent at-bats to see what he's actually capable of. And he's a former top Ten overall prospect as far as the catcher is concerned when he was with the Indians and he got moved. Was that I don't even remember what trade that was, but he got moved from the Indians to the Padres and now For it's the Brad Hand. Brad Hand, okay. And now it's to the Rays. So you know, change of scenery. Maybe he gets it back. Is he gonna? I assume he's gonna start over Zanino, right? I think they're looking at more of a straight uh, platoon, platoon? Uh, opportunity. Uh, where Mejia, his best numbers in the majors in 2019 was against right-handed pitching. Uh, uh, the right-hander uh, in Zunino is going to go against lefties, and then he'll probably be the defensive placement late in games. Uh, that's where he'll get a lot more of his uh, playing time opportunity as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The other guys are... I like uh, Cole Wilcox. Yeah. I liked I, Cole Wilcox in the draft last summer. He was first-round talent, signed in the third round with closer to first-round money. the money. He wanted the money. That was why he fell that far. And uh, uh, so the signability concerns, they got it taken care of. Uh, again, great arm. Uh, again, hasn't had a chance to pitch in anything. Uh, uh, from everything COVID. I saw of Cole, sorry. No, from everything I saw of Cole Wilcox at Georgia, he is like Jose Alvarado, Diego Castillo levels, like that type of relief pitcher arm. Maybe he's a starter, but... In the relief role, I think he could be really good. Uh, Blake Hunt is a big catcher who can hit for a lot of power. It'll be interesting to see. He's a ways away, but uh, he big catcher power. He heads in the instructional league as far as things all clicking together. Uh, and so, yeah, we mentioned the Rays. Uh, they didn't have a single catcher on the 40-man when the offseason began. They pick up two uh, in this trade, one major league ready, another one to see as far as development, how it goes. Overall, uh as a, as a Rays fan, this was a good package. Uh, you're getting a top 20 overall pitching prospect. You have a lot of guys with upside for the one at the major league level, reclamation projects, see how it works with Mejia. Two other guys that have uh, solid upside. Uh, all f- uh, The three guys that were still prospects would all have been in the top 10, according to Baseball America, when they, get, when they shared the information. Uh, what would have been in their 2021 handbook for a top 10 Padres prospect prospects all three of them would have made it uh so that's how they were being being looked at the the younger catcher who's hunt uh uh, eric Langerhans from uh fan graphs said he was a a top 100 overall prospect to him due to the uh uh, the things that he showed in the uh he's a ways away i mean you're talking 
yeah. three plus years away probably. But yeah, from everything I've seen of him. So even according to those types of rankings, you're getting a former top 10 overall prospect. Catchers develop late. See how that works. Two guys in the top 100 rankings uh, currently, one in the top 20, one in the bottom of the of top 100, uh, and a guy who is uh, first-round talent in the draft. You're not going to get uh, more than that. Uh, they got way more than what you Dar- uh, than the return for you, Darvish, that we'll talk about. Uh, but this was a great trade that way. Again, the the what got into hot boiling water uh, from Rays media, Rays fans, etc. Is you have a team coming off the World Series, you don't keep Charlie Morton. You trade away Blake Snell. Uh, most teams would load back up and say, "We're already at a." a uh, World Series contending team, why don't we add to it, not detract from it? Look under the hood with Blake Snell. Here's a guy in the past two years uh, who had an average of four and two-third innings per start. That's not even enough to qualify for a decision. It takes five innings to get there for that. Uh, He had uh, arm uh, durability issues. He had shoulder durability issues. Everyone can remember his wonderful... uh, postseason start and overall solid postseason performance. I watched those other starts in the past two years. Uh, He'd be at 80 pitches in the fourth inning. He was a nibbler. This wasn't because the Rays just wouldn't let him pitch a third time through the order. He struggles with his control. He nibbles. I guarantee you, if you look on Twitter this year, watch the Padres fans' reaction to Blake Snell by midseason. He will be the most frustrating pitcher that they have on their team, and you will see that from fan angst. I got into uh, Twitter beef with uh, Baseball Prospectus uh, Editor-in-Chief Craig Goldstein, if I'm remembering that name correctly, as well as uh, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN. So I had guys going back and forth with me from the the bigwigs on this, and I had my own ranting and and raving fun. Uh, Because if you look up the Rays, uh, no other team, and same thing if you look up the Chicago Cubs, you won't find it. But look up Tampa Bay Rays ruining baseball in your Google search, and you will find like a dozen articles of things that have been written, including when they were in the World Series, of how they were bad for baseball. But the Cubs can trade away $60 million off of their payroll in a pure salary dump. They got nothing but scratch-off lottery tickets for you, Darvish, which we'll talk about in a second. And they say, yeah, it's a salary dump, but it's almost like reasonable or to be expected. There's no ruining the game articles for the Chicago Cubs, but there is for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the only reason why, folks, is jealousy. That's all that it is. Look at how many teams want to be run by former Rays executives trying to find that secret elixir to being a consistently competitive team. You have almost... 40% of Major League Baseball of teams that are being run front office-wise by the Tampa Bay Rays. It's just jealousy. Rant over. You want your soapbox? Uh, Mic drop. Your mic drop? Okay. Uh, Here's what I'm going to say about Blake Snell. I think it's a good trade for both teams. I really do. Absolutely. I think it's it's good for the Rays. Uh, Blake Snell is... I've complained about Blake Snell on this podcast before because of the... I think the the Padres will probably try and get him to get more innings. I do think they're going to try to get him to get five, six innings a lot of times. I agree that he's probably a slightly overrated pitcher. Uh, I don't think that he can control his pitches good enough from everything I've seen. But they needed him, right? This is a team that wants to compete now. And as much as Luis Patino might be great in a couple of years, Blake Snell is better right now than Luis Patino is. No question is some of the best stuff in the game. Sure, absolutely. So... You move him to the top of that lineup. So we thought the Rays or the Padres made a great move here. Blake Snell, Denilson Lamette, Zach Davies, Chris Paddock, Mackenzie Gore, whatever, Joey Lucchesi, whoever they were going to do. We're like, okay, let's go here. 
And then the next day, the Rays decided, or the, excuse me, the Padres decided to make another move, as you've previously referenced, and they traded for Hugh Darvish and Victor Caratini from the Cubs, and they traded Zach Davies, Reginald, oh boy, I'm going to I'm gonna murder this one, Preciado, Owen Casey, Ishmael Mania, and Yeson Santana. Now, the reason I murder those is because other than Zach Davies, I have never heard of any of those other four guys, so I don't feel confident talking about it because those guys are way down on the Padres list as far as players they go. Now, the Padres have an amazing depth on their system, right? We're talking correct, a great correct. system here. But these guys are minimum three to four years away as far as from everything I've seen. Now, Zach Davies is going to step into the rotation. He's Kyle Hendricks maybe redone, like not as good as Kyle Hendricks, but a very good pitcher, solid pitcher, had a great year last year. Now, you Darvish, excellent pitcher, great pitcher, and just makes the Padres that much better. Yeah, this was a, as far as A.J. Preller goes, job well done. Uh, you have an yeah. elite left-hander uh, with some of the best stuff in the game. Even if he only gives you five innings a start, that's still five innings of, of elite uh, pitching. The only challenge with Blake Snell is when, as he goes from 50 or 60 innings to 160 innings, 180 innings this next year, do you trust that arm to stay healthy? That's the only major question about him as far as stuff. Uh if the Rays rolled him back into the next year's rotation, I would have been happy with that, too. Again, he's a very good arm. Now you have a rotation with the Padres that can compete. Obviously, Snell did very well against the Dodgers. Uh, so you have him, and you have Hugh Darvish, who is the Cy Young runner-up. He's an excellent fit to also give you more innings uh, and uh, allow that bullpen to have to be used less uh, overall with that. And to couple him with Nelson Lamette, uh, they have a legitimate rotation, obviously top five uh, in all of baseball now. Uh, and remember what they started at uh, last year. Then that doesn't even count Mackenzie Gordon uh, development oh, uh, moving into next year. So the Padres projected top five starters are now Yu Darvish, Blake Snell, Denilson Lamette, Chris Paddock, who was their ace at this time last year, and Adrian Orion. And then, like you mentioned, Mackenzie Gore is still there in the wings. And then next year, Mike Clevenger will be back. He's got another year there. So. This is a team that's really looking to compete now against the Dodgers now and especially in the future because we're going to talk about another player they signed in a little bit here. But now you mentioned the Cubs earlier and how it was this complete salary dump. This one's pretty bad. So if I said that it was a good trade for the Rays, and I truly believe it was a good trade for the Rays, this is not a good trade for the Cubs. This is giving getting rid of your best pitcher and probably your best asset that you have for pennies on the dollar, even though, like you said, he's coming off of a year where he was great. This is not Josh Bell having a bad year and you get pennies on the dollar. This is pennies on the dollar, even though he was excellent last year. AJ Preller, you understand what he's doing. Eric Neander, when you understand the way the Rays operate, you understand what he's doing. Jed Hoyer, I, <laughs> I understand what he's doing as far as doing what ownership has told him to do. Uh, this was not a baseball decision. This was a financial decision. And uh, again, big league... A big market teams get away with things that small market teams don't. I won't go back in my soapbox, mm -hmm. but uh, they traded him because they didn't want to pull a Josh Bell on Chris Bryant. Right. Because that's all that would have been, and yep. they would have been asked to kick in some of that salary. They mm -hmm. needed to trim payroll down as a result of, uh, yes, legitimate uh, economic issues that came as a result of COVID and less revenue coming in. Uh, this was $60 million bucks for a pitcher who turns 34. Uh, so you're talking his age 34 through 36 season. There's financial risk there. Uh, and 
ultimately he was the best piece that they could uh, send away without having to kick in really any salary and at least get, uh, while they might be uh, scratch-off lottery tickets, it's coming from the best farm system in baseball. So there's still at least a good shot if you give it time to develop that something can emerge from that. So to an extent, I get it, but you also did win the NL Central in the COVID season, and now you trade away your ace and Cy Young runner-up. So, uh, Preview. There's a pretty decent chance that when we ever get to our previews for the season, I will make you Darvish my pick to win the Cy Young Award. I think he's going to do great in San Diego. I think he's going to win a it's lot a of games fit. there. It's a great fit. He's, he essentially has eliminated the walks the last couple of years, and it's just made him even that much better. So... I, I love what San Diego's doing. We'll see if they can actually compete with the Dodgers. Last thing I'll say about the Cubs is my frustration with the move is less of the salary dump or even trading away your ace. It's not committing to it. You trade away that, this should be a rebuild. You should now tear it down, get the best prospects you can, uh, and aim for more near majors ready. So this is a quick rebuild, especially with your financial wherewithal, that you can, within one year's time, two at most, come right back out and uh, and emerge again. Do a one-year step back, uh, especially for, they're at the, uh, they've already reached that, uh, the old window of contention is, is gone. You have guys that have one year left, and then you need to figure out who are you actually going to resign from that. Anthony Rizzo, one year. Javi Baez, one year. Wilson Contreras now has one more, one more year left. Uh, you already... Uh, uh, non-tendered uh, Kyle Schwarber, like the the old guard is pretty much gone. I think Kyle Hendricks only has one, maybe two more years. Uh, but you had it's it's gone. Trade them to get solid prospects and go back uh, back at it. This or or go get some veterans, double down, and try to keep competing for that division crown. This middle ground of trade away your ace, but and okay, we get Zach Davies in return. Yeah, that's really going to inspire fear in the hearts of anyone in the NL Central. Like they're trying to do this weird: we're going to cut payroll, we're going to take talent away from the team, but we're still going to compete. It won't work. It's just going to put you on the uh, mediocrity merry-go-round, which again might work in the NL Central a little bit, but it it's not going to help you actually improve for the future. It's just going to make more questions than answers down the road. Let's move on to the last trade here. And once again, your Tampa Bay Rays are involved in this one. This is a three-team trade that involves the Tampa Bay Rays, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the biggest name is Jose Alvarado. Uh, he went to the Phillies, and we've talked about the abysmalness of the Phillies bullpen last year. So the second I saw it, I think he's a, a, the best pitcher in the Phillies bullpen. I believe he should be their closer. Now, his arm is kind of scary, but I think he could be the closer for the Phillies. The Dodgers get Garrett is it Clevenger? It looks like Clevenger, but it's got an A in there, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. From everything I've seen, it sounds like he is another super utility player, which the Dodgers tend to turn into great players, a la Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, that type of player. The Rangers or the Rays get Dylan Paulson and a player to be named later from the Dodgers. And once again, I don't know anything about Dylan Paulson, so I'm not going to speculate on that. But the big name is Jose Alvarado, and it's the Phillies are working on their abysmally bad bullpen, which is good. Two years ago, you're talking about a lefty who was one of the best lefties in all of baseball. Uh, wicked slider, uh, high-octane fastball, uh, elite. Uh, it was the only year that he actually had control of that arsenal. Uh, he's dealt with some shoulder issues, and the things haven't been the same since. The talent in the arm is no question, uh, but it's a matter of can you harness uh, enough control to make him effective in a major league uh, bullpen. There is questions about... Commitment to the game, his uh, weight, weight level, and other things. Yeah. It, 
he didn't take the necessary steps up uh, that you'd hope for. Plus, uh, mentally, he started to regress as far as uh, the big game moments, uh, which can be a challenge in Philly uh, and uh, in some of those situations. But there's no question the talent and the arm. Can they, and again, Sam Fold, uh, not only played with him, I believe, uh, but also knows uh, that in and out, and that's a guy that he wanted. So uh, it's a definitely a well-worth roll of the dice for a very minimal cost. Excuse me, I was wrong about Cleveland. He's a pitcher. I had it wrong. Excuse me. He's a pitcher, apparently, who can throw 100 miles an hour with movement, it says on here. So who knows what the Dodgers, they might turn it into a great young player. And so more moves for them. We get to our last section of acquisitions here, and it is international signings, and I have both ways on here. So let's start with Yoelki Cespedes, who if you recognize the last name Cespedes, it's because Yoenis Cespedes is his, I believe, half-brother, not full-brother, half-brother. Yoelki Cespedes signed with the White Sox, who have many Cubans already on their roster, and Cespedes is considered the top international prospect. He defected from Cuba couple summers ago, I believe. Yeah, it's a little shorter than his brother, five foot nine. It's not surprising to see him end up with the White Sox. Grandal's from Cuba, Abreu's from Cuba, Moncada's from Cuba, Robert's from Cuba. So seems like a great fit. Probably not a player to expect to see again for a couple of years. A player that you can expect to see next year is Kohei Arihara. He signed with the Rangers after being, it said there was a few teams that were trying to get him. He signed with the Rangers. Uh, I saw Arahara actually pitch last summer. He signed, I believe it was two years in the $7 million range this past year. I saw him pitch when America would not allow us to watch baseball because it wasn't on yet. And big fastball, good fastball, decent changeup. It's uh, about all he throws, maybe kinds of throws a curveball kind of thing up there, but uh, it's basically a two-pitch guy. So think back end of the rotation type of arm. I wouldn't expect greatness, but he'll be serviceable, probably kind of like one young Kim was for the Cardinals this year. A guy that is going to be uh, given every opportunity and a team that needs uh, pitching of any kind. So he'll get a shot to uh, to not only start in, in majors, but to try to develop uh, in the majors as well. Let's talk the big one here. The big international signing is, once again, going to the San Diego Padres. And that's my boy, Haseon Kim. I mentioned Haseon Kim on here before. I think he's extremely good. I thought he would get more money than he did. Now, he played shortstop over there. I thought he could play third. I mentioned him going to the Toronto Blue Jays because he's friends with Ryu. But he said, no, I'm going to go to San Diego. Now he's 25. Hit 310 last year. I've said these numbers before. 28 home runs, 21 steals, and 128 games. I don't think he's going to hit 20-plus home runs in America. I think he can steal 30 bases. I think he's that fast from everything I saw of him last summer. Now, for the Padres, they have a very good shortstop. His name is Fernando Tatis Jr. They have an excellent third baseman. His name is Manny Machado, and they pay him a lot of money. Cronenworth at second almost won the, the rookie of the year. I believe he finished second. But I think Haseon Kim is going to start over Jake Cronenworth and push Jake Cronenworth into a super sub type of role. I'll have Ben Zobrist. That even Cronenworth could have some time in left field as well, kind of be a little bit of, uh, of everywhere. Ben Zobrist. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, that would be a great. Uh, uh, still a great fit. He's going to see plenty of at bats. Uh, again, you think of those in the super utility role. You're you're pretty much a starter. Uh, maybe not on that first game of the of the regular season, but overall, you're going to still see starter minutes. So uh, this just allows a team to get that much deeper uh, with a high end potential, uh, and you also are that much more braced when uh, an IL trip or IL stint happens. You have the depth, uh, starting level depth, uh, to keep moving things along. So it's an excellent fit for the Padres. 
officially it's four years, 28 million with an option for a $7 million final year. Apparently there's some incentives that can push it to 32. That's cheaper than I thought it was going to be. I think it's a great signing for the Padres. I think it just strengthens their already very deep lineup. Uh, I said, this is a team that, that watched the Dodgers win the world series. Finally, we thought they were going to be good and they were better than I think I thought they were going to be last year. And now there's depth all over this team. So Way to go, Padres. Way to go, A.J. Preller. You've shown that you are going to be one of the teams that's very aggressive in free agency and in making trades. Another team that's been aggressive is actually in Japan. Eric Thames and Justin Smoke, big bopping first baseman who we thought, at least Eric Thames, we thought could have a nice little year here, uh, both decided to sign with the Yomuri Giants. So they went back to Japan. I believe Justin Smoke signed the biggest or second biggest deal ever in Japan history. Yeah, that was a multi-million dollar deal that uh, uh, he'll be a, a chance to enjoy baseball uh, internationally. And uh, Thames already came. He He's bounced over there once, a crushed uh, home run champ yeah, there, and then, there, and then came back. Uh, so this is a, a chance to do something that he was already comfortable with. The Asian play, the Asian fans love the home run ball. Not nearly as prevalent over there. So I'm sure they're going to love Justin Smoke and Eric Thames. Chicks dig the long ball. they hit a lot of home runs. That's it for acquisitions as far as anyone. Did I miss anybody? I think I got them all. I think that was all of them here. So let's talk about some possible acquisitions, or as we like to call them, rumors. Let's fire up that hot stove. Uh, as we uh, uh, the, the big names, there's more stuff that's uh, starting to, uh, uh, to become a little bit more clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Options are becoming a little more clear as we, as we gear towards final decisions. Uh, we have first the one that loves to uh, get that uh, rumor mill going, the strongest, Trevor Bauer, uh, openly talking about having a, a conversation and, and dinner with uh, a Toronto Blue Jays uh, executives, if I remember that correctly. I think it was a phone call, but yeah, he called Toronto. Apparently, he wants five or six years around $200 million, which is certainly within the realm of possibility. That's roughly 30-ish million a year, which I think he can probably ask for and receive uh, Toronto is we've said Toronto has a lot of money uh, they I thought they'd probably make we're gonna talk about why more likely I think they signed but Trevor Bauer is going to certainly talk to a team that's that much money um, I still think it's the Angels eventually for him but uh, Toronto needs you put Trevor Bauer and Hyunjin Yu at the top of the rotation you are absolutely the team that I predict to fit I'd actually say that I predict them to finish second if they had Trevor Bauer so I'd have to think about it but they're a good team the Blue Jays need him more than the center fielder we're going to talk about. Yes. But I think it's not going to end up that way. I just, Toronto has money to spend, but I don't think they want to be at the very top uh, of, uh, uh, of of the market in, in that regard. I think I that's think more money. Infield. I still think they need, we're going to talk about DJ LeMayhew. I still think it's either DJ LeMayhew or Justin Turner makes the most sense for Toronto. I see them, I could easily see them more than the Mets actually making the, the two moves of adding either LeMahieu or Turner in the infield and then George Springer. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into that. So Springer's two teams, it says he's down to are the Blue Jays and the Mets. And we've said all along that I think that George Springer is most likely to be a Met. I still think he'll most likely be a Met. They've said they're going to make a splash move. We've talked about James McCann being signed there. Not really a splash move. Trevor May, not really a splash move. Good signings for sure. Good signings for sure. But if you want to make a splash move, George Springer is, or JT Ramuto, are these splash moves of this class. George Springer would make a lot of sense for the Mets. Now he's going to take advantage of the leverage that the Blue Jays offer, and he's going to try to get every dollar he can, which is absolutely his desire. He earned that. And, yeah, I, I, I buy the rumor that it's either the Blue Jays or the Mets. I think that's, that is his market, and – 
at that level. He's going to get the price point that he wants. Both teams very much want him, uh, and he'll end up in one of those uh, Northeast teams. I think he said, I think the thing was, the report was he wants well over $150 million. So that's I, pretty high. Um, I can see 130 140 uh, and maybe some sort of club option that mm-hmm. you know could have potential numbers there, but I think that's the the max level that it that it gets to. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a lot of money in the time of COVID. But one of them is gonna I, he's gonna play in that area. I still think it's the Mets. I still think the Blue Jays need more infield help. Uh, we talked about DJ Lemayhu. Now the report is that Lemayhu is looking at the Dodgers. So we've both the, said the Yankees. They're, they're batting eyes at him uh, over with the, with the Dodgers. And one way to quiet the uh, Padres moves would be to assign pretty much the best batting eye uh, in baseball in the last couple of years. Can you, uh, can and you imagine that, dropping yeah. him behind Mookie Betts and in front of like Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy? The, the perfect contact bat uh, in between uh, their, Betts, their boppers. LeMahieu, Seager. Yep. Muncie Bellinger, right? Is that what would be the top five? Whew, what a lineup that could be. Uh, so that is already, uh, any, and then Will Smith uh, Will gets Smith. into his, with his AJ development. Pollock, so, right? I mean, they have yeah, depth for days on that team. So if you're going to match the Padres, which we've just said, they made some incredible moves here. Now the Dodgers are still the defending champions for a reason. They have an exceptionally deep lineup themselves, although there's talk that David Price may not come back, but I don't know how much that will affect them. They still have an extremely deep team. But if you add DJ LeMay, who, as you just mentioned, has won two batting titles now in the last five years or whatever we're at and almost won a third and is possibly the best contact hitter in the game right now to an already lineup, already deep lineup like that, it just becomes that much harder to beat probably, in my opinion, the best offense in the game. Atlanta's got a case for it, but... It's smarter money in him than in Justin Turner. That's who they'd be replacing, essentially, with this. I mean, could they sign him, too? Sure. But uh, really, this is meant to be the, the Turner replacement, someone who is younger, a different type of player that fits uh, the rest of that offensive construction uh, better. Again, there's no uh, you're not shedding a tear if Justin Turner resigns and you roll that back with, with the Dodgers. Still a very good, uh, good bat. But if you're going to spend that type of money, LeMahieu's a better fit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I like that as a potential move. I see that more realistic than him going to Toronto or, uh, or to, the, to the Mets, to be honest. I think if he's staying in the Northeast, it's going to be in pinstripes. Otherwise, I think he's got uh, eyes for L.A. I think the pinstripes are still the team that's going to find a way to bring him back, but the They're Dodgers, cheap. The Dodgers are going to make it rough on him. So we'll see. Uh, the, it's certainly not, not without the possibilities that the Dodgers will not pay up for DJ LeMahieu. Do you think he gets the triple, right at the triple digits, five years, 100 mil, do you think he gets the the, the, the full? Uh, the what he wants? Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, I think he can get to five years, 90, with some incentives in there. I think he can now, which I didn't think a few, a few weeks ago. I thought it was more like 80 for four years. So I think he can yeah. do it now. If you get the Dodgers agree. bidding on it, he can get that. He can say, "Look, I've got a couple of Cy Young, or excuse me, a couple of batting titles here, and you kind of have a hole as far as the Dodgers' holes are concerned." You know, Edwin Rios, I think, is supposed to play third for him, and Chris Taylor at second. So you know, a lot of teams would be very happy to have Chris Taylor at second. The Dodgers would love to put him back on the bench in his super util role and say, "Hey, DJ LeMahieu, step into our lineup. Look how good we are. We won a World Series." And when they start bidding, it can push money up in a hurry. The one that I see staying, uh, and I didn't think this initially, and that is uh, J.T. Ramuto. I think he will end up back with uh, with the Phillies. Uh, uh, Dombrowski is trying to, and he's already come out and said, essentially, they're not going to be 
spenders in free agency, but could they find the money to keep uh, Real Muto? That is still the, the possibility. I think he ends up there. I, I have not heard his market materializing like in, in the same depth the way that I've heard of George Springer or LeMayhew or, or Bauer. Real Muto's market has been more quiet. It doesn't mean that it's not active, but it's just quiet. Yeah, I I still think the net. They've made the move for Josh Bell. Now you add J.T. Armuto to that lineup at the Nationals, and now it's a pretty good lineup. So I still think the Nationals are interested. Yes, everything we hear about Riamuto right now is back to the Phillies. And at this point, there's no way he's getting anywhere near those numbers he threw out. At this point, it seems like his market is just not what we thought it would be. And so he's going to have to be more realistic in those numbers. I, I still like the Nationals, but we'll see. I think that is the definite dark horse team that if, if they choose to get involved, they have the money to do it. Uh, and that's where money talks. Uh, you know, uh, you have uh, Scott Boris's clients always end up uh, in Washington eventually. That's true. So you could definitely see that uh, that happening. So my prediction here, we've had predictions before, but at this stage in the game, uh, I think Springer ends up in Toronto. Mets. I, I say the Mets. And I say, I say Trevor Bauer to the Mets. As much as they need offense, I think if they're going to spend the deep pocket, I, him and... Uh, uh, him and Jacob and, Degrom. Yeah, I, I think the Marcus idea Stroman. of adding that type of that type of elite rotation can cover a multitude of sins for an offense, uh, and so I like that as as there. I think JT Ramuto stays with uh, the Phillies. Um, I do like DJ LeMayhew with the Dodgers. I do think you? they're going to do it. Okay, so see, you said Springer, so I say Springer to the Mets. Uh, I still think LeMayhew goes back to the Yankees, but the Dodgers make that much more likely that he moves than when it was Toronto versus the Yankees. I think he was going to stay with New York. The Dodgers versus the Yankees is a different ball game. I still like Real Muto to the Nationals. I think that's possible. And who's the other? Trevor Bauer? <sighs> Man, trying to predict Trevor Bauer's mind is like is a fool's errand <laughs> here. So I still think he ends up out, out West. I think. I think it's going to be – it should be the Angels. Art Moreno should start forking over some money and say, we need you, Trevor. Please come. But if he went to the Mets, I could see him love it. Like, he could love New York. Do as you know much how as, much he will try to overshadow Garrett yeah, Cole that's and the, the Big thing. Apple? It's I mean, the just Garrett the, Cole, oh, yeah. Jacob deGrom. He would love that. He would love to troll everybody all the time. I don't know. We'll see. He seems like a West Coast guy at heart to me. The, the one uh, – uh, this does leave Toronto out in the cold, but I think then they end up getting Francisco Lindor. That that's the that's, that's the trade. I think they're that's more the like move. if you're giving me, uh, they're most likely to get it's Lindor or Trevor Story or, or even Nolan Arenado. I'd be fine saying Nolan Arenado, but then you'd have to get the Colorado Rockies to eat some money. I think they're going to make a trade more so than they're likely to they sign any of these guys. Empty handed. Nope. Nope. They they need someone. They need one more player, which is hard to believe considering how good they were last year. But I'm not sure they're getting it in free agency, especially because right now we're not entirely sure where they're going to play again next year. Are they allowed to go back to Canada yet? There's still uh, there's question marks there, but we'll get into the, the breaking news side of this is more clarity has come uh, as of today. Evan Dralick from The Athletic uh, has reported that uh, Major League Baseball and the uh, Players Association have announced that they uh, baseball will proceed as regularly scheduled for 2021. Uh, normal spring training time, normal opening day. Uh, so all of that is set to uh, to move forward. Now there still could be some potential hiccups again. When you're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. you can't predict everything. But that is now the plan, and it's the first time that's gone on record from those people. Uh, the, and those are the ones you need to hear from. 
Uh, so with that, we now have clarity as we look at the second half of the offseason, which means with pitchers and catchers only six weeks away from reporting, now that we have that regular schedule, there should be a thaw in the free agent market uh, and the activity should be picking up in the next four weeks. Every team wants to have everything lined up within a week or two uh, of uh, pitchers and catchers reporting to provide planning time for players, uh, as well as making sure getting things lined up. Uh, so any of the, all those major trades, all those major signings, that should be happening in the month of January. Now that we have clarity that things are going to begin in, uh, uh, in February, March for pitchers and catchers reporting and spring training, regular opening day, uh, while there may not be fans in the stands to begin the, the season or more limited fans uh, with the way that the CBA is worded, they're expecting it to start uh, at regular time. Good. But this time last year, they expected it to start at regular time too. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we have more of a handle on things now or a better yeah. understanding of things than we did. I think we're going to get... St- I don't know if it'll start on April. I really, I think it's going to start closer to the May. I really do at this point. I, I hope it does start on time. Absolutely. I hope it starts on time. It's great that he reports that. Hopefully we can get some vaccines out quicker, right? We got to get the vaccine out. I know that MLB said that they want to try to get everybody vaccinated within MLB, whereas some of the other athletic leagues have said they're going to essentially wait because they don't want to push it. And that's fine too, whatever way you're going to go about it. Uh, Ultimately, because all the other leagues have been going on and then you deal with the the positive cases Mm -hmm. along the way, they'll probably make some alterations to have a a COVID taxi squad available uh, within it. But ultimately, I think it's going to start. I know the owners would rather wait, but as far as I know, they're not going to be able to keep the players away. The players want that full season paycheck. Yes, they're going to say, we're fine with the risk. We're ready to move forward. Blake Snell's got to get paid. He's, He's on a new paid, team. Man. He's got to get paid. Uh, and the way the CBA is worded, out here. Uh, the, the owners do not have any negotiating power to hold off the season, especially That's when true. other leagues are in play. That's true. You don't have anything there to do that. And with the CBA being very legally binding, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to suck for owners as far as revenue goes because you're not going to have fans till at least uh, May, June, July, somewhere in there. Uh, and so that's going to be lost revenue. Uh, but at this point, the season's going to uh, march forward. I, I'm, I'm pretty you're confident of things, unless something unforeseen happens that we don't know now, which is always a possibility with this. Mm-hmm. I think the season does start uh, as, as scheduled. Uh, every uh, football is getting, despite, you know, there's been issues obviously, but they've been able to get through a full season and that's a much more close contact sport. Uh, NBA is, is getting rolling. uh, And the only reason why they have the, uh, they're just dealing with the delay from last season for starting late here. It had nothing to do with COVID really from the start time. They just needed a a few weeks break from when that season ended. So yeah, I think baseball is back normal, which I'm not going to argue about 162 game season. Uh, and that does also make me happy for January that we should finally see uh, the market moving. Last question about baseball starting then. Starting, you think, full AL, like full schedule. Teams from New York travel to the West Coast or we keep the sort of bubble thing for a while? It'll be full throttle, regular, full throttle. Uh, uh, regular uh, as as, as, as usual, usual, before yeah. last year, where it's not the regional games. Uh, because we've seen everyone else move around here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, they did the bubble, and when we didn't know what was going on and to try to get through it, at this point, I think we know enough of the overall and how how we would proceed in a... Uh, follow protocol. Just yep. follow the protocol. It's there to keep you safe. As I talked about the Packers at the beginning, I'll, here's what I'm going to end with. Packers, you got to buy next week. Don't get sick, please. <laughs> Don't get sick. 
It's uh, It may seem like baseball is far to, far away, but folks, again, six weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting, a spring is not that far uh, around the corner. So we'll keep you uh, apprised of all of those major happenings, uh, and we should have a lot to talk about in the, uh, the next uh, two to four weeks here. So stick around. We'll see you next week. See ya.